to our workshop. Carolyn Kirsch and I. Hi, everybody. Thanks for being here together. Carolyn really did the lion's share of the work for this workshop. So I'm just thankful to tag on a little bit and, and start us off. Just so you know, initially we were planning to cover both depression and anxiety. And there's a lot of overlap in how to view them as a Christian. But as we explored it, we were like, we can't do justice to both. So we decided to go with anxiety, and maybe, Lord willing, we can at some point do a depression um, workshop. So I wanted to let you know that this is going to be on how to think about anxiety generally. Okay, the anxiety that we all face. It's not going to be clinical anxiety disorder, while that is a very real thing, but we are primarily going to talk about once you get yourself in a spot where you can start to navigate the deep waters of, of anxiety, what does it look like for us as Christians? We've all been there. And just as a We have an enduring situation where we need to seek medical counsel and try to figure out if medication would be helpful. And that's a blessing from the Lord. I actually brought my first packet of Zoloft that I ever took personally, and it is an Ebenezer to me, and that, that's for depression. And for me, it was very difficult to get to that point where I realized, boy, medication isn't caving in because I have weak faith. It actually takes a lot of courage to access the blessing of the medical community that the Lord has given us. So that is just by way of starting off. Big picture, I'm going to talk about the physiology of anxiety, and I'm going to talk about some of the code words that it might be called so that you can recognize anxiety in your life and maybe some of the symptoms you feel, and then um, touch on how the scriptures talk about anxiety, and then Carolyn is really going to take us home by giving us a personal testimony of what anxiety in one instance, look like in her life, and then how the scriptures could really meet her and minister deeply to her um, at that time. So that's where we're going. We're on page 24 and 25 of your, and 26, <laughs> actually, it's you get more for your money from this workshop, lots of pages, and there's actually a blank page at the very end too. So we wanted to give you lots of room to take notes and process with the Lord. So I'm going to pray for our time, and then we're going to go through the slides that are on the screen behind me. Our Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are a God who sees us and knows us. You know us better than we know ourselves, and you are with us. Thank you, Lord, that you have knit us together and that you care for each and every one of us in our unique ways. We confess that we, we are small and we are frail and we are anxious. And so we ask that you, 
who are strong and mighty, that you might meet us in our, in our neediness. We love you, Lord, because you first loved us. In Jesus' name, amen. So as you can see, I'm just going to give you a definition that we're going to use for anxiety. We're going to call it a state of mind governed or controlled by fear, particularly of something imagined negative account outcome in the future, which affects your body and soul. So this is looking ahead and feeling fearful or anxious, okay? And it, it definitely affects both our physical bodies and our spiritual souls. These are code words that we use all the time. Biblically, anxiety is actually in the Bible, anxiousness, anxious, anxiety, but these are code words, stress, strain, preoccupation, distraction, feeling pressure, feeling obsessed. We have really good reasons to be anxious, sisters, really good reasons. Why? Well, we live in a world facing forces way bigger than we can control. We're mortal, right? We can't control the most important things about life and death in our own lives or in other people's lives. We can't guarantee the outcome of our life or anyone else's for that matter. So we have, understandably, we have reasons to be anxious. We, think about it with me. Let's talk about who God is and then contrast that with who we are. And this is in your packet as well. Who is God? He's the creator of everything, right? He's eternal. What does that mean, he's eternal? Meaning he has no beginning and no end, right? That defines him as God. He's unchanging. Unlike us, we change day by day, moment by moment. God never changes. And finally, the, the last thing, he's infinite. God is infinite, and that means his resources never run out. He never sleeps, right? Psalm 121. He never is caught off guard. He never runs out of time. He's God. He's infinite. Contrast this to who we are. We are creatures. We are bound by time. We do change, and our circumstances change, and things definitely surprise us. And we are finite, meaning we don't have unlimited time, unlimited resources. We are finite. Bottom line, I just want to let you know, we have reasons to feel anxious. And... There's something comforting in that, I hope for you. There is for me, because it normalizes the experience of being that feeling of anxiety or anxiousness. You're not alone, and it's actually very reasonable and understandable that you would feel anxious at times. You realize God is God and you are not, right? Let me tell you about the physiology of what's happening when you face anxiety, okay? There's a little spot in your brain called the amygdala. 
And this little nugget, man, does it take hold in your life when you feel anxiety. You have about 10 seconds between an anxious thought or fear of the future and your amygdala being triggered. And when your amygdala, which is in your limbic system, is triggered, you have this, I think you've all heard it, fight or flight or freeze. This is what happens. And it actually can take you 20 minutes for your amygdala to go back to normal. Sometimes uh, physicians will call this flooding. You might feel like you're flooding, like you can't think straight. And these are some of the evidences that your amygdala has been triggered. Racing thoughts, worst case scenario thinking, you just can't get past it. Absence of joy, desire for escape, get me out of here now. Distractibility, inability to concentrate, loss of appetite, rapid heart rate, breathing, rapid breathing. These are physical feelings. These are measurables that actually can happen to you. Inability to sleep. This is what it feels like to have your amygdala triggered. Do you know the number one command in the whole Bible is do not be afraid? Is that surprising? But I want you to know this command, and it is a command, it is not a try harder, get it together. There is not a tone of repent, do not be afraid. That is not the tone that you see in the scripture. It's almost always followed by a promise and at times the promise comes first and then the command, do not be afraid. And the, the promise, you see it on the screen, I will be with you. That is powerful, sisters. That is transformational in our fear, which lead to anxiety. I will be with you. The solution is relational, not situational, which I think, I mean, I don't know if you're like me. I want the situation to change. I want to know what's going to happen in the future. I want to know that it's not going to turn out as awful as I'm fearing it will. I think if you change my situation, my anxiety is going to flee. But the scripture actually says something different. It says that it is not situational. It is relational. That is the solution. Quickly, and then Carolyn's going to come up. This passage is beautiful from Philippians 4. Let me show you what it looks like in the scripture. The Lord says, and this is in your packet, actually. You can, you can see the actual scripture is typed out there. The Lord says he is near. That's the promise. He is near. And then the command, don't be anxious about anything. And then there is this invitation by the Lord, come to me, talk to me in everything through prayer 
and supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. You see the relational aspect that's attached to the fear? And God wants to know what's on your mind and what you're thinking, what you're afraid of. And then it's followed up by a further promise. God's peace will be with us. It's pretty profound. So that's the quick scoot over the physiology and then connecting to the scripture. Carolyn's going to come up and really put legs and feet and all that on this. Thanks, Carolyn. So we've seen from Shannon that our anxiety is normal. It is understandable to be anxious. We have good reason to be anxious. And now I'd like to share with you a little bit of what an anxious moment, a situation and circumstance has looked like for me. And I hope we'll see together how the Lord can meet us in our anxious moments. I often struggle with anxiety, although I did not realize that in college. I would have used those code words like stressed and preoccupied, talk about how I was feeling about academics, but I didn't see that anxiety was a common, continual theme through my life. If I'm being honest, I got pretty anxious about leading this workshop. So there you know, I've been pretty anxious about it, but... And that's for one reason, I didn't think I was qualified to give it, um, even because I feel anxious so often. But I do wanna take a risk with you all today. I wanna let you in. I wanna take you back with me to my junior year of college when I was desperately anxious on the day of my presentation. Now, this wasn't just any presentation I would have told anyone who would listen. This was for one of my music classes, and it was my conducting presentation. Now, just for those of you who don't know, I mean this kind of conducting, like for a choir. Um, And that was really stressful for me, but that wasn't all. We actually had a very lengthy 12-page analysis on the song that we'd be conducting due at the same time. So I'd be conducting this group of all of my fellow peers in the class while my professor watched and greeted me and I had been working on this analysis for days and I still hadn't finished. It was the night before it was due and as each hour passed as I sat in the Gettysburg College Library, I grew more and more distressed. How in the world was I going to get this done? It felt impossible and I was scared Around four in the morning, I was exhausted, barely able to think, and I finally checked back to my room. I made the decision to sleep instead of continuing to work on it at that time, a decision which scared me so much that I set my alarm for just two hours, to wake me up in just two hours because I had to finish it. All too soon, of course, that alarm rang And as tired as I was, I was awake and out of bed almost immediately as thoughts of my presentation came flooding back into my brain, filling me with terror. But I was blindly pushing through my anxiety, not thinking about it. I didn't recognize how anxious I was, in fact, until I tried to eat breakfast that morning. Now, for those of you who don't know me, I eat breakfast every morning, never miss it. But that morning, I took two bites of toast before I realized that I could not swallow. I was physically shaking and unable to keep anything down. 
that really scared me. And that's when I realized I was not okay. I needed help. My own body was rebelling against me, but I couldn't stop. I told myself I had to keep pushing through, right? So I tossed my barely eaten toast, pulled my unwashed hair up in a ponytail, put on a cute outfit, make me feel good about myself, and I raced off to the library to get, what, get done what I could. And after frantically compiling my paper and racing around the library, I ended up running over to the music building in that cute outfit, and I did give the presentation. And I didn't die, but I had acted like my life depended on it. So what was going on that day in my body and in my soul? I'd like to take some time now to walk through just three lessons that the Lord has been teaching me from that experience and from other experiences as I reflect on this story. And first, in these moments, I realize that I need to remember my shepherd. You'll see that in your packet. I need to remember my shepherd. Second, I need to admit anxiety. I need to admit anxiety. And finally, I need to turn to the truth. As I touch on each of these three lessons that the Lord has been teaching me, remember my shepherd, admit anxiety, and turn to the truth, I'm going to invite you all to reflect with me. Shan, I really want this to feel like a time where you can really address some of the things that you've been working through, or maybe you, you haven't quite started to work through them yet. We're gonna have time of silence, just to journal, just to write. We left you lots of space for that. Uh, and I encourage you also, Go back to these questions. We hope they'll be helpful for you even in the future if you're feeling anxious about something else to come back and ask yourself some of these same questions. And you might already have a specific anxiety or situation in mind as you came into the room today, but you might not and that's okay. So if you're not sure what situation to journal about and think with us to, through today, um, there are a few questions just there in the packet um, that don't give you a lot of time to, to write next to them, but I hope we'll get some ideas churning help you shine a light and articulate what you might be feeling anxious about, including when do you feel typically stressed? When do you typically feel stressed? Is there a situation in which you know you'll lose sleep? What keeps you feeling preoccupied and unable to focus on other things or other people? Is there something that you can't stop thinking about? Does it keep you from being able to focus on or do other things? So is there something that you can't stop thinking about to the point that you can't focus on other people or other things? It keeps you from doing other things. So you don't need to write an answer to all those questions, but as you consider them, I hope it will help you articulate what you might be feeling anxious about. Please take some time now to th pause, think about that anxious situation, put it into words on the paper, um, I'll write that down. I'll give you some time to do that. Okay, thank you for taking the time to try and put your anxious moment into words with us today. I hope this will be helpful for you as we keep going. And I do wanna help us turn to the scripture to see how we can remember our shepherd in these anxious situations. And there are many wonderful places to go in the Bible, Philippians 4, that Shannon brought us through. What a beautiful passage. There's so many others as well. Um, but I do wanna focus on just one with you today, a place I wish I had gone the day of my conducting presentation. And that is Psalm 23. This might be familiar to you, it might not. Um, but let's read through that together. It's printed in your packet. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The very first thing that strikes me about this psalm, actually the very first thing we see is that the Lord is our shepherd. What does that mean? Well, David himself was a shepherd. David, the author of this psalm, was a shepherd before he became the king of Israel. He was familiar with the role that shepherds have towards their sheep, and he compares the Lord to a shepherd. Just looking at the beginning of each sentence, we see he, the Lord, he makes, he leads, he restores, and again, he leads. The shepherd is active, and he cares for his sheep. But in my anxious moments, I often forget that the shepherd is active and cares for me, his sheep. The day of my presentation, I don't remember if I turned to the Lord in prayer or looked at the Bible at all. I was completely preoccupied with my anxiety surrounding my assignment. I wanted so many things. I wanted to succeed. I wanted to do well. I wanted to show my professor and my classmates that I had it all together. So our next question I would like to, for you to think, all to think about is in your anxious situation, what is it that you really want? In your anxious situation, what is it that you really want? Take a few moments, a minute or two to think about that and journal. Thank you for taking the time to do that. So you might have found that often in our situations, when we are anxious, there's often many somethings, maybe one something, many, many, many somethings that we, we want, we desire. Um, but what is the first thing that David says after saying the Lord is his shepherd? Surprisingly, he says, I shall not want. I shall not want. David considers the God of the universe, the Lord, and says, because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Ladies, because the Lord is our shepherd, we want for no good thing. We are lacking nothing because he, the Lord, is good and he actively cares for his sheep. Then in verses two and three, David elaborates on how the Lord cares for him. Like a shepherd, he makes him lie down in green pastures. He leads him beside still waters. He restores his soul. What beautiful images of the Lord's care for us. Green pastures indicate a place of provision and rest. Still waters indicate safety and peace. As I reflect on that day of my presentation, I know I wanted feelings of rest, safety, and peace so badly. I also realize now that the Lord was giving me an opportunity to see how weak and how needy I am. And that day, the Lord was giving me every physical sign that I was not okay, right? Especially as I found I couldn't even eat breakfast. My body was out of my control. I was needy. And as Shan has shared, anxiety affects both our bodies and our souls. 
in our hardest moments, the Lord gives us unique opportunities to see his grace as we struggle mentally, spiritually, and physically. It was obvious that I needed his help, but I chose to push through and put on one of my favorite outfits, dressed to impress, right? Maybe if I looked like I had my life together, I would feel like I had my life together. I was really trying to get some sense of control when everything fell out of my control. And there's nothing wrong with wearing a nice outfit that you enjoy when you're having a bad mental health day. But I was really seeking to control my situation. And in the process, I was missing out on the precious peace that comes from turning to the Lord. So take a few moments now to think and write a few things down. In your anxiety, what do you typically turn to to get what you want? I turned to a cute outfit that day to control my situation. Some other ideas might be turning to limited sleep, right? I didn't sleep. I thought I can do this if I just keep pushing, if I can finish. So limited sleep might be one for you. Maybe rushing from place to place. I don't have time to talk to anyone or do anything else. I just need to get this done or see that person or talk to that person or maybe not talk to that person. Maybe I'll be harsh with that person. What are some things for you? Take a moment now and figure out what do you typically turn to to get what you want? Okay, another question for you before we move on to admitting anxiety. Just take a few moments to reflect on Psalm 23, verses one through three particularly. Maybe these verses or something I've shared has stirred up some some emotions in you. Write down how you're feeling. To focus your reflection, consider what do you want to remember about your shepherd? What do you want to remember about your shepherd? You can take another minute to think about that. Okay, now I'd like to move us on to admitting anxiety. I hope this will be helpful. It can't feel hard, but I hope it will be helpful. I found that admitting anxiety to myself, to the Lord and to others is a crucial step in seeing God's grace and healing through my darkest moments. To help us continue to admit our anxiety, I'd like to invite you to reflect and answer the question, what are you fearful of? Admitting our most pressing, most consistent fears can be a helpful indication of what we are anxious about in life. In my example, on the day of my presentation, I have to admit that I feared failure. That was a terrifying thought for me. And I could have experienced failure in multiple ways, not only if I had failed, but if I had even just done poorly or if my classmates or my professor thought I had done poorly, I would have felt like I had failed. I was simultaneously both paralyzed by my fear of failure and motivated by it, right? I just kept working. It controlled my actions. And if I'm being honest, fear of failure often controls me in life. So we've included some more questions on your outline to help you recognize and articulate what you might be fearful of in times of anxiety. So take some time now to journal and respond. Okay, so sometimes when I come face to face with my failures, it's not pretty. I can actually feel like I am in a deep pit and unable to get out. Why do I just keep struggling with this? Why am I so fearful of this? If that's you today, please know that you are not alone. As Shannon has said, there are really reasonable things for us to be fearful about. You are not alone. And I hope that these next three questions will be helpful for you as you reflect on these 
dark valleys, our hardest moments together. So the next two questions you'll see on your outline are related. First, what might your anxious fears be truly saying about yourself? And then, what might your anxious fears be saying about the Lord? Now in asking what might our anxious fears be saying, the reason behind why we're asking that is we wanna dig deeper. We wanna get to what might be going on in our hearts more internally. What is behind our fears? When I reflect on my anxious fears, I often find that they're, they're saying, you're going to fail or no one will love you if you fail. So as I fear failure, I'm actually often concerned with gaining people's approval for my performance or fearing losing it rather than trusting the Lord and the approval that he has won for me in Christ. Now, maybe you notice that my fears are often making a prediction about the future when they say things like, you're going to fail or no one's gonna love you. As Shea noted before in our definition of anxiety, our fears are often about the future. They're making these predictions and we kind of become false prophets saying, this is gonna happen or because I did that thing in the past, now I regret it and this is gonna happen. We are often making a prediction about the future and those prophecies can be very compelling because they have to do with the things that we really care about, the things we desire, the things that we want. So our next question that's on your outline is what predictions are your fears making about the future? What predictions might your fears be making about the future? This question and what might my anxious fears be saying are related. So take some time now to reflect on and answer all three of these questions. I'll give you guys a longer time to do that this, this go round. Take some time to reflect on those three questions. Thank you all for taking the time to address some of your anxious fears with me. This might not have felt easy for you, but sister, there is great hope and great comfort in our good shepherd. As we ask ourselves what is behind our fears, we might sometimes find that we are not trusting the Lord. We might sometimes find that we are not trusting the Lord, but we will always find that our fears are a great opportunity to turn to the Lord. So let's go now and turn to the truth. Turn to the truth. There are two main truths that I would love for us all to take away with us today. First, our hope is found in a person. Second, our comfort is his presence. First, our hope is found in a person. Our hope is found in a person and that person is Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Now, maybe you are in the room today and you are saying, yes, Jesus is my Savior. I'm certain of that. But maybe you might be sitting here and you're not exactly sure what that means or you haven't been convinced that someone you've never met who's never talked to you one-on-one -on -one could possibly be your Lord and Savior. And what does that even mean? Now, no matter what your feelings are towards Jesus, I encourage you, ladies, take another look at him today. I want to encourage you to take another look at him because when we process through all our anxious thoughts and feelings, it can leave us feeling empty and honestly pretty hopeless sometimes. But true hope and true comfort is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is uniquely prepared to comfort you 
because he is a savior who has experienced what we have experienced. Jesus has experienced anxiety. He is familiar with all of our suffering, including anxiety. Now, this is pretty new for me. I thought for a long time that only imperfect people could suffer from anxiety, and Jesus was perfect, right? But yet, while he was living as a human being in a broken world, he too suffered from anxiety. In your packet, you'll see a list of truths about Jesus and the scriptures where you can see that Jesus has experienced the suffering that we have experienced. The first one you'll see there, Jesus knew what it was like to be completely misunderstood by his best friends and rejected by his friends and family. Jesus knew what that was like. Second, Jesus was tempted by and assaulted by the devil. Jesus experienced weariness and thirst, distress, grief, and even being troubled in heart. That's what the scripture says. Jesus was troubled in heart, just like I've been. Jesus suffered such that throughout his life, he offered up prayers to God with loud cries and tears. Crying out with loud cries and tears. In fact, the night before Jesus was crucified, as he prayed to his father in a garden, Jesus was in such anxious agony that the physician, Luke, who's writing this gospel account, writes in Luke twenty-two forty-four that Jesus's sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. What anxiousness, what distress as he was crying out to his father. Then at the end of his life, Jesus was abandoned, denied, and betrayed by all the people he had poured his life into. And on the cross, he was forsaken by even his father. Jesus was forsaken so that we never will be. Jesus knows your pain. He knows what it is like to be anxious. He has struggled in every way as we have, and yet he doesn't look at you or me with our anxious thoughts and fears and condemn us. Instead, he loves us. He died for us and he prays for us. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, which is on your outline there, says this, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus is our high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses and he meets us with mercy. He sympathizes with our weaknesses because he experienced them like we do, but he never sinned like we do. We can approach him with confidence that he will meet us with mercy and grace because he prays for us at the throne of God. We can draw near to Jesus because he has already drawn near to us. And this leads us to our last point. Our comfort is his presence. Our comfort is his presence. Our ultimate source of comfort in times of anxiety is the Lord's presence. 
Looking back again at Psalm 23, verse four, we see that David gives us a reason why he will fear no evil, even in the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, he says, for you are with me. David declares that he will not fear anything, not even in the scariest of situations, because the Lord is with him. David continues to help us understand why he will fear no evil by adding, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. A rod and a staff were items used by shepherds to defend, protect, and guide their sheep. These symbols remind us that the Lord is our shepherd, the one with the power to defend and fight for us and protect us. He is the one who is in control, not us. He is the one who is in control and that is good news because the Lord is good and he actively cares for his sheep. We can take comfort in the Lord's persistent presence. So our hope is found in a person and the presence of this person, the Lord, it changes everything. But sisters, to fully access the comfort that he offers, we must turn to him in our anxiety. It is actually all too easy for me when I have recognized how I am feeling anxious to spend time churning instead of turning. We often spend time churning internally instead of turning prayerfully to the Lord in our times of anxiety. I know I do. When you are struggling with anxious thoughts, consider and ask yourself the question, who are you talking to? Who are you talking to? Are you talking to yourself? Or are you talking to the Lord? So in order to gain access to the comfort that he offers really fully, we must turn to him in prayer. You can open yourself up to him and be honest about how you're doing. Prayer is different than internally churning because it announces there is a God and I am not him. There is a God, he's a good shepherd and I need him. Our hope is found in a person, the Lord who cares for you. And being in the presence of the Lord turning to the Lord and talking to the Lord is where we will find true comfort. Let us go now and turn to him in prayer. Father God, thank you that you are present with us and that if we are in you, you indwell us. You've made your home in us. We are never alone. You know what it is like to be anxious, Lord. You understand and you meet us with your mercy Lord, I pray that each of us would grow in our ability to admit that when we are weak and needy, when we are anxious, we are fearful. But Lord, you are strong and courageous and you fight for us and you are merciful and gracious to us. Would you bless these women as they go from this place? And I pray that we would be able to talk about these things more often and turn to you more often. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.